A good Erev Shabbos to our friends and members of the West Mount Shul. This Shabbos is Parshas Lech Lecha, and there's a lot of uh, foreshadowing in this Parsha of events that we're living through, and we'll talk a lot about that on Shabbos, Mir Tzashem. But one or two questions that are, on, I'm sure, all our minds as this war rages on into its third week <clears throat> that, you know, it seems that we are being tested very much with these events that are happening. People are murdered in a senseless way. The anti-Semitism is ramping up in such uh, frightening ways. And we wonder, what's the purpose of all this? Where is this taking us? So, of course, we say, well, it's going to bring us to Mashiach although we're not exactly understanding how that's going to happen. But uh, it's, it's a challenge. And how can we frame this in a way that uh, we can feel empowered more by the events that are happening over here? And how do we explain the many stories that we're hearing of soldiers that are putting on tzitzis, and uh, people doing mitzvahs they normally weren't doing beyond the simplistic explanations that are given. So that's what I'd like to talk about here and share with you an idea that was presented by Rav Baruch Rosenblum Shlita a number of years ago. In Pirkei Avos, the Mishnah says there were 10 generations from Noach to Avram. And then it says there were 10 generations, there were 10 tests that Avram Avinu uh, had and he stood by all of them. And the question is, why in the first Mishnah is it called from Noach to Avram? In the second Mishnah, it's called Avram Avinu. And Rav Chaim explains that at the moment that Avram Avinu was tested with the ten tests, he changed from being Avram and he became Avram Avinu. As it says in Mishle, Misalech betumo tzadik. If a tzaddik goes with wholesomeness, Ashrei Bonavachra, fortunate are the sons after him. So when a father goes in a specific way, or a mother for that matter, the children afterwards can continue in that way in an easier way. Okay, but if, uh, if there's no connection between them, then they'll go in a, in a, in a different way, right? Uh, but if there's a path that's there, they've seen the father and they or the mother, it becomes much easier because you have wonderful role models that they are following. So with this, we can understand that after Avram Avinu passed 10 tests, he bequeathed to each and every Jewish person the ability to stand up to tests. And throughout generations, the Jews have always been prepared to give up their lives and to enter the fiery furnace in order not to, um, uh, to convert to uh, non-Jewish religions. Or this idea to make Aliyah comes to the fact that Avram made Aliyah. We all nurture from that spiritual DNA that we have. And that's why Avram is called Avinu. So let's see what exactly can we tap into over here, especially during these difficult times, to know that there's something in us that we may or may not be aware of that we should 
attempt to tap into and realize what spiritual reservoirs that we really have. Dora Chaim asks a famous question over here. When Hashem tells Avram, Lech lecha leave your country, then Hashem comes up with a reward if you go. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blesser. You just got to move and you're going to get all these rewards. So think about this. If you tell a person who has no children, listen, if you move to Africa, you'll have kids. Well, you're going to leave everything behind and go to Africa to get the kids. So the Orach uh, gives one answer to this question. In other words, what's the test? What's the test if you're told you're going to get a reward? And we're not going to, it's a very good answer. We're not going to go there right now. But let's explain, give another answer based on what Rosen, Rev. Rosenblum is saying. When you tell a person, go to a certain place and you'll have children, Parnosa, and you'll have notoriety. So when you are told to do that because of that reason, you're expecting that that should come true. Okay. And uh, so Avram was told by Hashem, listen, you don't have any children. You're going to have children. You don't have, you don't, you, you know, you, there's a lot of things you don't have. You're going to get them when you go where I'm going to send you to go. Good. Avram says, fine. So let's see what happens. He comes there at Canaan, the only monotheist in the world. He leaves his home. He's there. And as soon as he gets there, you'd figure everybody would start to recognize his great name because Hashem promised, And everyone's going to say, you know, he's an amazing guy. He's going to have children and parnos and bracha. But in reality, it didn't happen. Avram goes to Eretz Yisrael and right away there's a hunger in the land. And people turn to Avram and says, maybe, maybe you brought some sandwiches or something for us. There's nothing to eat over here. You're, you're the most be the tzaddik who's coming from Haran. And as soon as you've come here, things are bad. You're bad luck. Until now, we've been bowing down to the sun and the moon and other things. And as soon as you come here, the one guy who tells us about God, we're in a hunger. <laughs> Didn't have much of a name for that. And now Aaron has to go down to Egypt. And as he goes down to Egypt, he knows he's going to a place filled with immorality. He asks Sarah to say that she's my sister. He gets there. He tries to smuggle her in and he can't. And she's captured and she's kidnapped. And that's, uh, and, uh, and Avram and Lot, you know, they go to, have to go to a hotel. Now, certainly at this point, Avram could have complained to Hashem. Hashem, listen, you told me to go and you promised me children. And I still don't have children. And not only that, my wife was taken by power, by Paro. And, and maybe you can tell me why I'm here. I'm the only one who believes in you, Rabbi Shlaim. I didn't ask you for any promises. You made the promises. So why are you doing all this? That's what Avram could have asked. And the crack of the question is, why did Hashem do that? So Rashi says on the Pasuk, Vayahi Ra'av Ba'aretz, Rashi says, only in that land was there a hunger. Nowhere else in the world was there a hunger. To test Avram if he would have second thoughts about going with him. Okay. So what's Rashi telling us? He's saying Hashem could have told Avram to go without any reasons. But he did give him a reason. He said these things are going to happen. And now they're not happening. So why is Hashem doing it? That that really makes the test. 
if Hashem just says do it, so okay, do it. Well, where is going to happen when you listen to God? But if God says do it and it's going to be good for you, and then it's not good for you, that is really the test that Avram had to go through. But if you really think about it a little deeper, that the very things that seemed to uh, occur that was the opposite of what Hashem promised was the very things that made them come true. Why? Well, let's think about it. When sorrow was taken to Paro's house, this is the beginning of the reality of, I will make your name great. Why? Because sorrow was captured by Paro. And every time Paro wanted to hurt or, or, or attempt to approach Sora, she had a malach helping her, and she, every time she said to the malach, hit Paro, she hit Paro. And what do we see? Who do you think could survive this captivity and come out alive? Whoa, nobody comes out alive from that. Wow, Avram must be really tight with HaKadosh Baruch In other words, Avram was living a, a pretty comfortable life when he was in Haran. But now he's in a terrible place and he comes out alive. That is a way of making his name great. And Paro also gave Avram lots of gifts. He became very wealthy. So therefore, uh, the brachas came out of Bidavka, the areas where it looked like it wasn't going to happen. And as things got worse, Hashem made those were the steps to make it better. And that's what happens often in life. A lot of times we do things and there's a lot of statements of Chazal that says if you do this mitzvah, you guarantee this reward and this and that and all these things. And we do these things and things don't seem to come out that way. So we got to realize that's all part of the test. To say, are you deserving of those blessings that Hashem wants to give you? And in the very place where you cannot see how anything good can come out of this, greatness can come out of this. Now, again, I'm no prophet, and it's very difficult situation we're in here. The vaunted Jewish people, the vaunted Jewish uh, IDF, all these things, we seem to be going through a very, very difficult test. So many people are taken captive. Who knows if they're ever going to get out alive? Very difficult things to really believe that Hashem loves us and Hashem wants us to be in Eretz Yisrael. And at this very time where things appear to be so bad and nothing good can be coming out of all this, we have inherited from Avram Avinu the ability to withstand these tests and be strong in our Yiddishkeit and to grow in ways that are the most unexpected way possible. Let's uh, share with you a story or two. This story is said by one of the later uh, previous Slonimer Rebbe's it was Yom Kippur. There was a break, a little break between Musav and Mincha. And 10 Jewish Cantonist soldiers, Jews who were taken away from their youths and serving in the Russian army and have no connection to Yiddishkeit after so many years. So they walk in during this break, 10 soldiers, and they have some memories of when they were a little kid. And the Gabe comes over to the Cantonists, he gives them a machser. But after so many years, they mamish forgot how to read and anything. And uh, so instead of that, they're just sitting in there and they're listening quietly. And then it's coming to Elah. And the Slonim Rebbe 
is in the base medrash, and usually he would say very, you know, words to get us to do tshuva and all strong words. But he gives a story. He says, many years ago there was a Jew who bought a, uh, a talking parrot, uh, an old parrot, but beautiful, with beautiful feathers, and he could talk and sing and do these things. Amazing. And everybody saw it, was amazed by this parrot. Until one Jew who was very jealous, he wanted that bird. So what did he do? He figures he wants to steal this bird. So he's going to find a way to steal it. So he succeeds in stealing the bird. But then he realizes, how can I ever benefit from the bird? The bird talks. And the bird's going to start going, So, therefore, he makes a tough decision, but he says, you know what I got to do? I got to cut its vocal cords out so it can never talk again. Okay, but he still has a very beautiful bird. It's got beautiful feathers. It's amazing, a beautiful thing to see. And he's giving the bird bird food, etc., etc. Uh, but then slowly the leaves are falling off. And uh, it, you know, it used to raise up its wings really high, look beautiful, but it's getting old and the wings were dropping down. It doesn't sing, it doesn't cast its wings to see all the beautiful colors. So he said, I don't get any benefit from this. Let me slaughter the bird and eat it for supper. So I said, well, wait a minute. If I slaughter him like now, he still has the colorful wings. People will know. So what is he going to do? He's going to pluck out all the wings. So now he's got a bird that can't sing, that doesn't have any feathers, it has got nothing, and he takes it to the butcher. But believe it or not, on the very day he brings it to the butcher, the original owner of the bird is there, and he could tell his bird is his bird. And he says, thief, thief, you stole my bird. Why'd you take my bird? What are you talking about, such a bird? He says, yeah, it is my bird. I can prove to it's my bird, etc., etc." And they're fighting with the bird. And they said, okay, we're going to have to go to a Din Taira. And uh, they go back and forth, each one arguing who is the owner of the bird. So the owner says, you know what? We can decide this very simple. Just let's untie the bird, put him down. Let's see where he goes. And then we'll know who his owner is. As soon as the bird was freed, he immediately went to the original owner. That was the story the Slonim Rebbe told everyone before Ne'ila. So as he closed the story, he says, there's a Mishnah that says, any living creature in the ocean is tahar. It doesn't contract ritual tumah, except for a kelavamayim, some kind of water dog, because it runs to the seashore. So what, what does that mean? You know, you can make any utensils, from a dolphin skin or whatever, uh, any kind of uh, fish, it's always going to be tar forever because it doesn't grow from the ground. It can't be uh, susceptible to tumma. If something gets made from the skin of this uh, water dog, does receive tumma. Why? Because when it's in danger, the dog who's in the sea, and he might be in the sea for 10, 15 years and never go to land, but when he's in danger, he goes right up to land. 
And that tells him that really he's a land creature, even though he's been very far away in the water. He says, here we have with us 10 Jewish soldiers. But over 25 years, they don't know what davening is. They don't know what a master is. The Russian government took them with their little children and tried to make them forget about their Yiddishkeit that they had learned from their parents. And one day they tell them, you have a day off. Go wherever you want to go. And where are they going? They can go to the bar. They can go anywhere to the casino. Where do they go? They go to the shul. What does that mean? It means they always were connected to the shul. You can take them away from Hashem for 25 years, but if you free them, they immediately go back to their source of holiness. And that's what the Slonim Rebbe said. He ended the tefillah, Oh Hashem, please, with your strength of your right hand, Tatir Tzerura, unbound those that are bound with their feet. If you would just unbind them, they would be able to come back home to Hashem. This is really what a Jew is. A Jew may not look like a Jew. He may not walk like a Jew. He may not talk like a Jew. He may not think like a Jew. He may not eat like a Jew. He may not do anything like a Jew. But a Jew is a Jew is a Jew that he received from Avram Avino. We just got to give him the opportunity. And as Rabbi Yaakov Galinsky, once mentioned, he had a neighbor who was an atheist. And Rabbi Yaakov wanted to always try to get him in a nice way. He said, maybe, maybe you want to put on some tefillin. He says, no, 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 that's not for me. I don't put on tefillin. He always tried to talk to him in a nice way. It never worked. One day, Rabbi Yaakov says, he couldn't believe. He sees his neighbor is on the uh, balcony with Talis and Tefillin on. So after he finished diving, he says, did I see the right thing? You were wearing Tefillin? He says, yes, yes. So what happened today? You're putting on Tefillin. He said, quote I've got to tell you the truth. In the last three days, I've been having some stomach pains. Very painful. And I went to a doctor yesterday and he checked me out and he says, you know, I'm not sure, but I suspect it could be, and he didn't finish what he was saying. But uh, we'll send you for more tests. But the man said, I'm already concerned what he didn't want to say, but I know what it could be. So he made all kinds of tests to check if things should go going on. So you know what I said to myself? The first thing I'm going to do is put on tefillin. Now Rabbi Yaakov, blessed him, Tarifur Shlema, he went home. And this is how he judged favorably the Jewish people. And this is the classic line. You should hold on to this line. This is a classic Rev. Levi Yitzchak type of line. Says Rabbi Yaakov Golinsky. I'll say it in Hebrew, then in English. Ein ba'olam Yehudi shalo ohev otcha. Rabbana shalalem. Master universe. There isn't a Jew in this world who does not love you. V'gam imnira shalo. And even if it appears not... You know what he's missing? Only a stomach ache. Every Jew loves Hashem. He may not see it, but all he needs is a stomach ache. And then all of a sudden, he became a Jew. When a Jew's in trouble, as we say at the end of their prayers, a Jew is never detached from Hashem, even though he thinks he's detached. 
You can have secular Jews for 40 years in Tel Aviv, going to trafe restaurants, going to theaters, doing all kinds of things that Jews should not be doing. But also he doesn't feel good and he meets a Haredi Jew. He says, maybe do you know there's a place where I can give tzedakah? How could that be? Because the Mishnah says that the water dog always runs, always runs to, to, the, to the dry land when he's in trouble. Whenever a Jew's really in trouble, that's the point though. Lately, we never really feel we're really in trouble. Ah. You see, Hashem loves us so much. He knows that every Jew is like the water dog. Every Jew, because he's a descendant of Avram Avinu, is truly connected to Hashem. And Hashem has bequeathed that into our spiritual DNA. That when things are difficult, and when there's a real test, we can come through. And Abraham just knows one thing, that every Jew really loves him, but it just doesn't look that way. All that's missing is a stomachache. All that's missing. Now, you know, if you pick up from the stomachache, that's okay. But what if the stomachache alone doesn't work? Then, God forbid, it's got to be a little harder. Every Jew really loves Hashem, but all that's missing is to maybe not have that much faith in the Tzahal being able to save them under all circumstances. Maybe if we don't have that much faith anymore in the United States. Maybe if we don't have faith in the world anymore. Whenever you turn on media, you're hearing all around the world that so many people want to see us destroyed from the highly most educated people, from the Ivy League universities to all around, to people in Congress. They want to see us killed. They want to see the end of us. And, and the support is weakening, although it's still fine. So what's going on over here? Is Hashem trying to scare us? Does he want to make us sad? No, Hashem just wants one thing, to take the fetters of the chains off of us. We're chained to secular society. We're chained to wanting to be like everybody else. We're chained to our assimilated ideas. Even from people have certain assimilated ideas. And Hashem says, I know you can be closer to me. I know you can achieve more. But we just got to take the chains off of you. And therefore we're seeing two things over here. Two things over here. We are seeing... We are seeing things that are not necessarily working out the way we would think Hashem would want them to work out. But we're seeing we're being pushed in a way to bring out the best of us. And therefore, as Rabbi Chaim Volozhin said, with 10 tests that Avram was tested with, he became the father of the Jewish people. And by his ability to withhold the tests, he changed that Jews are my meaning. Our essence is to be a mamin. Our essence is that even though things don't appear to be the way they should be, but the true nature of the Jew will come out. And the real point, who was the beneficiary of the 10 tests? The beneficiary of the 10 tests was not Avram Avinu, because Avram Avinu was chosen even from before the world was created. 
as we say in the davening, Atahu Hashem Elokim, you are Hashem our God, Hashem Bacharta Avram, you chose Avram. And you took him out of our costume. You found his heart trusting and true to you. In other words, before anything, Hashem chose Aaron for the beginning of the time. Only afterwards did everybody realize how true he was to Hashem. But those tests weren't for Aaron, they were for us. For us to be able to bequeath something that came from Avram Avinu. And therefore, we have to realize we're all being tested. And we're being tested in ways that we've not been tested since times of the Holocaust. But to realize those tests are tests we can pass. Because we have a father who passed the tests. And more importantly, we have to transmit the Torah to the next generation. And our children have to see stories, have to see how we pass our tests and our great struggles. And the tests don't have to be monumental. There's tests, and it's not for me to say what and what, how and what we should do, you know, in terms of fear and things like that. No one can judge anybody. Yeah, but Baruch Hashem, my son Moishi has been in Eretz Yisrael since the end of the summer, and he has not come back. From Eretz Yisrael. Baruch Hashem, my son Menachem, and my daughter-in-law, Malka, who were back from Eretz Yisrael in Fersukis and were guided by their rabbis not to go back right away, but now the rabbis are saying it's time to go back. So this Sunday he's going to be going back with his wife. And then when we ask, oh, so I guess you'll be able, and Malka has grandparents who live in Yerushalayim, older people, but they went there for sukkahs for a while. And we said, and what about your grandparents? So she said, my grandparents, they never left. They never left. Why not? Because, he says, she says, my grandfather said, he doesn't want to be like Elimelech, who left the Jews when there was a hunger during the story of Rus. I can't leave my people when my people are in danger. Now, certainly, Mr. and Mrs. Freed are certainly very capable of taking a flight back to New York where it's supposedly safer. <laughs> but they say, I got to be with my people. It's a test. It's a test. But who are the real beneficiaries of the test? If not her, his, their grandchildren who see what it really means to trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And even though we trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and even though, regrettably, great tragedies have happened, and there could be questions, but we know that Hashem has made a promise to Klal Yisrael that Mashiach is coming. We are meant to be a light into the nations. It doesn't look like we're giving the nations much light right now. But we must remember, just like Hashem promised Avram so many things, and the promise really was making the test harder, but by Avram trusting Hashem in the midst of the struggle of the test that made him worthy for the blessings to come true. You see, Hashem wants to give us blessings. He wants to give us children. He wants to give us notoriety. He wants to give us wealth. He wants to be able to bless. He wants us to have everything. But he can't get it for free. You got to work on it. And therefore, how do you work on it? Hashem says, I'm going to tell you to do something and it's not going to make sense. Do you still trust me? And somehow through all this, 
through all this hatred that the world has upon us, to all the challenges we have of not being respected, our lives are in danger. This BDS Mishigas wants our Parnosa to be in danger. Everything they're trying to do, it always seems to backfire at the end of the day. This is where we're being tested to mamish believe. As hard as it is, just as hard as it was to Avram, you would have told Avram when Sarai was, was captive that you know what's going to happen shortly? Within a couple weeks, you're going to be wealthy, noted. All these amazing things will happen. He said, are you crazy? But he had that bitochen, it could happen. And that bitochen, we all could activate if we really understand this. And somehow, not only can we have the bitochen, but even the most secular Jew who's so far away, all it takes, we all, Hashem knows, we love him so much. There isn't a Jew who doesn't love Hashem. All we need is a good war. <laughs> all we need is a good tragedy. And now you're going to see the beautifulness of the Jewish people come out. We pray to Hashem. Hashem should bless us. That the test won't have to be so much longer. And we have to begin to realize that in the midst of this test, the greatest things are going to happen. And if we believe that and truly behave in that way, we'll see amazing miracles. And perhaps, maybe perhaps, the Mashiach will be coming a little closer as a reward for all our betachon and Hashem. Have an amazing Shabbos.